Hey guys, what's up? Trey back here at Trail and welcome back to another episode of the True Blue Show. We are here probably about mm, three weeks to a month out from the last episode and normally it's down to me just being bad at getting to recording and everything but this is not actually totally my fault in terms of that as why there's been a big break since last time it's mainly been to I've been on a trip in Italy I took about two weeks in Italy with my grandmother uh we went to Venice Milan Florence and Rome so I got to see a lot of great things out there I got to go visit a couple stadiums like the San Siro in Milan the Olimpico in Rome but we're not here to talk about that today we're here to talk about the Chelsea start to the preseason tour in Las Vegas, the first game against Club America. So I've got two great guests here on the line today. I've got Johan and Charlie, and we're going to go ahead and go to them. Johan, how are you doing, man? I am doing great, enjoying some time off at my mother's place, as you can, you two can see on the, on the background, you already comment on the on that one she brought me a nice glass of red wine and uh, yeah it's uh it's evening time in in denmark around uh, 7 p.m and uh, it's been a good warm day and um, yeah a dane is about to win the the goddamn tour de france so uh, yeah i'm having a good time thank you that's good to hear. Um, did you have a uh, did you have a long night last night? I saw you post a picture of an alarm that said like three forty five a.m. to watch the first yeah. preseason game. Yeah, it was kickoff time at uh, four a.m., which is uh, pretty much the worst uh, kickoff time possible because it's it's like too early in in the morning to to get a very good sleep, and it's like too late to to stay up the full night to. Uh, to to catch it so it was uh yeah i had to to interrupt some something and, and cut it in half in, in in two halves uh, so uh, i'm uh, i'm a little bit tired today but um but i'm feeling good thank you yeah well i know a couple of people in california who would say that four o'clock is nothing because they regularly have to wake up at 4 30 for the uh, the the morning games i think they were like noon uh, for Chelsea fans in the UK, but for me, it's like 6.30 a.m. normally. And I, th- I do think it's a good reminder that, that sometimes we are spoiled uh, when we live in this this part of the world because there are several uh, millions of international fans that every weekend during the season has to, to, to stay up uh, late at night or early in the morning or go home early from work to, to catch... Chelsea games uh, and um, it was yeah maybe a nice reminder I saw people were losing their shit about uh, Koulibaly getting announced uh, like too early in the morning on a on a on a Saturday and uh, it's like come on <laughs> I think we all know Chelsea are a global brand so I think we can we can live with that and and so could I yeah, we were really scraping the bottom of the barrel there to find things to complain about on FT. So, yeah. So let's go to somebody who's a little closer to my time zone, Charlie Jordan. Charlie, is this your debut on the pod? I can't remember if you've made you've come on one time before or if this is your debut. No, no, this is the first time. This is the first time, yeah. Well, welcome, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, no, it was great to watch Chelsea again last night. And for me, it was at 10 p.m., which was honestly quite a nice time to watch a game. It meant that I could enjoy my whole day, come back, and then at 10 p.m. Uh, watch it. But for me, you know, I grew up in the U.K., now live in New York, so I've experienced sort of both sides to the time zone thing. 
And uh, yeah, people in Europe have it pretty sweet. Um, the like you're talking about the the, the noon games, the twelve thirty games. They're at seven thirty for me. I uh, I remember we we played Man City last season, lost one, one nil when Romelu Lukaku was just a waste of time. Just after the interview, I uh, got up at seven, watched that, watched us lose, slammed down the laptop, and I've never woken up for the seven thirty games again. So. Uh, yeah, I'll be getting back to my UK times as quick as I can. <laughs> no, definitely. And, it, you know, it's definitely a nice thing for the UK people when they have midweek games. Because for us, we have to watch those around two, probably about one, one to four or so in the American times. And that's the middle of the day at work for us. So most of us are like sneaking our phone or our laptops trying to watch the game when we're at work and we really shouldn't be watching. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Trey, though. Um... What I do in New York is I go to an evening course. So I'm, I'm at school from 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. So the midweek games are actually perfect for me because they're at 3 p.m. and I can watch them and then go to school. So it's actually great for me. I'm a That's, winner all round. That sounds awful. I would not want to go to this class. Six, was that your choice intentionally? Yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it was... Uh, it was it was the way to it was either do a three year course, but I'd already done a three year or a eighteen month one. But it's it's fine. It works great for me. I've become a bit of a night owl from it. But um, but no, you just have a coffee at five p.m. and you go. Oh, well, I guess you're from the city that never sleeps. That's the way to go. Exactly, exactly. That's just the mindset around here. I've learned. All right. Well, good to hear that you're enjoying New York and you six thirty to ten thirty is no problem for you because I literally would try to get all my classes done by two PM when I was in college. So yeah. So let's go. So let's go and look at the game. Um but actually before the game, I wanted to talk about we haven't um we've had a couple signings happen. Um obviously a couple for the women. Um they've really hopefully will strengthen them and uh, finally get that Champions League title. Um, now let's talk about the two recent signings um, Todd Bowley has secured for us for the men's team. We've got Raheem the Dream Sterling and Kaladu Kulabali, who are two big signings for us, obviously, after losing Christensen and Rudiger, potentially Espeliqueta as well. We are going to need um, to bolster the defense. We do already have Levi Caldwell in, who is second new signing. Um, but we did need to sign at least one person, probably maybe one more center back, depending on what formation we go for next season, but cool Bali surprising fans. Um, it's like last night, maybe not the last night, two nights beforehand, or maybe three. And then Raheem, we knew about for a while, but they were just doing semantics about the final fees, but sure enough, he flew to LA. Um, neither featured in the game last night. Of course, I'm hoping that we see both feature in Orlando at least, but I wouldn't totally count on it because They've been doing separate training from what I've heard as well as a couple others. Um, I saw a bit of Kovacic doing individual drills. I know I was very frustrated. I saw uh, Armando Broya got actually a little injury. Um, something about he landed on his ankle wrong. It's not too bad, but also I don't anticipate seeing him in Charlotte. Um, so I'm hoping with Orlando, he's back by then. Um, Billy also was missing from the side and I have not heard anything about an injury, which kind of scares me because the last thing I want is Billy to leave again. Um, and also Levi. Levi has been talking with his camp about options um, if he doesn't stay on the side. So a lot of a lot of exciting prospects that I was really wanting to see and all were left out of the squad already. So 
it's uh not great but um yeah johan give me your thoughts on rahim ikulabali signing so far well i i think we've started this transfer window brilliantly um I, I do think they are actually two unreal signings. They are both players that strengthen us in uh, their positions, which uh, which ob- obviously is a good thing. Um, we lack goal scoring from the wings, uh, and uh, and and that 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 final uh, decision making in in the final third. Um, and and I, I do think that Raheem will. We'll bring that, and obviously we need some central defenders. And Kulibali is uh, is 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 one of the better players available uh, that that we could get. Even though he's 31 years old, um, I I don't think that 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 four-year contract is uh, is that much of a a, a problem. Actually, I, I do think that we're getting a we're getting two very good players for for right now. They're both experienced uh they come with experience and 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 leadership um Koulibaly is uh the captain for the Senegal national team i believe and um Raheem is is one of the the captains when uh, when Hurricane is is, is not playing uh, so he's he's also uh one of the the leaders of of the national team so both club and country they 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 come with a lot of experience and they come with a, a lot of uh, a lot of abilities that that we need right now so uh, all in all um a a very very good start to this uh, transfer window and and if only one other signing comes in at uh, a similar level i i do think that we will we have to be happy with the with, with this transfer window when when we think about the transition that we're in right now with the new ownership and no, no sporting director, no, no director of football, uh, Todd Bowley and and Thomas Tuchel uh, doing bits t- together. So, um, but there's also some things about selling Deadwood that we will maybe get to talking about. But uh, but but for now, two yeah, actually on real uh, level signings. I'm I'm very very happy with uh, with those two players. Now I do think I saw something about uh, Bakayoko coming yeah. getting cut off from his AC Milan loan early for some reason. But I think I I did I I don't know how credible the links are, but I saw something about maybe he has a link to Marseille um, yeah. as of right now. So um, hopefully you see that go well. Uh, we know Danny Drinkwater's uh, contract um, ended and he was just released. Um, you know, Michi Bashwai was in the starting lineup uh, last night. So um, it remains to be seen what would happen with his future. It, it, there is a chance he could stay with the squad for depth if um, Armando Broya was to go back out because um, something I might t- touch on a little later is that behind Kai, there is no actual real striker depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Timo who's not really a – true striker he's kind of a hybrid and he can operate there but i think we've seen by how much opposition we face in the premier league with low blocks that we it would just not work too well and, and as tactically inefficient as michi is he's still a fairly good finisher when he gets into good form so that it, it remains to be seen about that but uh charlie give us your thoughts on how raheem and koulibaly are signings a wicked signings aren't they 
they're really good signings. I, I, I'll be very honest that um, I could probably name two or three occasions when I've actually watched Kulabali play. I don't watch Syria. I'll be very honest with that. So, and when Napoli play in the Champions League, I feel like they're often in a group that I don't really watch. I feel like they're always with like Barcelona and Liverpool and I don't bother watching them because I just expect Liverpool and Barcelona to win. I'll focus on something a little bit closer. Um, no disrespect to Napoli because they are a good side. But um, but if you don't watch a player, you, you just have to listen to what everybody says around you about this player. And from everything I've heard um, from Italians that watch Serie A a lot is that he really is one of the best centre-backs in the world. And they've been talking about how, you know, he's been on par with Chiellini as like the best centre-back in the league since he joined. And Italians don't mess around when they're talking about centre-backs. That, that is like the birth of the best centre-backs in the planet. They're all from the Syria. Um, so, yeah, really excited about that one. I think a 31-year-old is just about what we want, to be honest. I, I, I think we've got some great young players, obviously, in defence, and we've got very old Thiago Silva. We do need that sort of in and around where, what Rudiger was as well, late 20s, early 30s, to, um, to replace that sort of leader figurehead, but then not too old that we don't have two 37, 38-year-olds in defence. So, no, really excited about that. And that one was a necessity, which means that, Things like Ake didn't really matter anymore because I felt like City were uh, highballing us with a fee because they knew we were desperate. Now when walks Gulabali, we don't look so desperate anymore, which means we're not going to get messed over in the transfer window for another centre-back. Um, but then Sterling, I have watched a hell of a lot of because I watch crazy amount of Premier League. Uh, my old roommate back in the UK was a Man City fan, so I watched pretty much just as much Man City as I did Chelsea. So I have watched a hell of a lot of Rickham Sterling. Um, people like to talk about how he can be really frustrating and how he can miss chances. But to be honest, if you watch uh, Harry Kane, he misses a hell of a lot of chances. If you watch Human Son, he misses chances. Manatella, he missed more uh, big chances uh, since Sterling joined the Premier League. Um, it's just people like to get on his back a lot. It's always been a thing in the media in the UK with Rickham Sterling. He's a very unfairly treated player, but I think he's fantastic. I think um, he takes a lot of pressure off those wingers. He might look like he comes in as more competition to players like Timo, Pulisic, uh, Ziyech, Hudson-Odoi to whoever stays. I think he takes the pressure off them because he he's going to bring the pressure on himself because he's the big name. He's the big guy. He's the guy that we expect to see goals from. I think we will see goals from him. Probably not City numbers because, let's be honest, we're not that City. We, we don't pre-score like that. But no, I think he's a really, really good signing. He's come at the right point of his career. He's the right kind of character I want in this Chelsea team. And I'm bloody excited to see him wear that blue shirt. That's some great words on um, both those signings. Now, I definitely want to touch on some things you said about Raheem. I think... There comes a point when you look back at transfers we've made in a while, and I think modern football has really shifted to where we have started to look at good rosters or good squads being built upon players of, I'd say, the younger side of the 20s. Like you say, you're 20 to 25-year-olds, and you think that's a great squad. And I remember very when I first started watching uh, European football that – the best squads really made highly of like 
27 to 32 year olds and that a lot of great depth was like people in their prime at that age and that the prime was 27 to when you're 32 depending on your position and it feels like these days everyone kind of writes off anybody who's like on the latter age of 26 27 and they say oh they've missed it like why are we signing older players and everything like that maybe that's because they think they're a one long-term contract and then it probably they'd be done like Raheem is 27 27 right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. 27 that's that's a great age to have a winger come in because he's not he's physically still great he's durable he's had plenty of experience through liverpool man city two of the most prolific teams that there's been in the in england in the past decade and then he's been playing for the england team who made to the euro finals who almost made it to the world cup finals i think it was in 2018 in russia wasn't it and he's been doing a great job and i think there comes a point that where everyone forgets that players of that age are still really good and some of the best to bring in because you start looking at Timo and Pulisic who are young or probably 22 to 24. And then you say, man, yeah, you know what? They're just not cutting it. They just have been having doing enough for them. Their careers have almost barely started. Now, granted someone like Pulisic has been from the Dortmund Academy since like 17 or so. And Timo Werner, I think came through the likes of Leipzig, um, I think he was on um, – oh, crud. I'm, I'm forgetting the team. Um, Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Thank you. Yes, that was the one. I think he might have been in the Stuttgart Academy. I'm not positive. We're just a young transfer. So, and you see they start playing fairly early on. But honestly, by the time that someone is 20, their career really hasn't even started yet. They've just been making a good name for themselves to get noticed. So – I, I don't think people like Timo or Pulisic really have had enough time in their career to really um, fully grow and develop. But at the same time, people may say, okay, well, we need to bring in someone good right now. Well, someone like Raheem Sterling who's 27 years old is a perfect person to bring in because one, you can't really name that many people in the world right now who are guaranteed upgrades over Pulisic or Timo Werner. Um, and not to mention, he actually can play on the right side. So you also have to throw Ziyech's name um, in there and then I don't talk about Mount too much because I'm thinking out and out wingers anytime I really talk about the future of the squad I really love to talk about the four three three or four at the back so I'm just kind of speak it into existence but I do recognize that um, we might not be doing that which is another point I'll be touching on in just a bit but I think Raheem's gonna be a great uh, addition to bring in he's great technical dribbler one-on-one takes on his man and yeah, he misses a lot of chances, but at the same time, if you're going to talk about someone missing a lot of chances who still has great numbers, like if you look at his numbers the past couple of years, he posts really good numbers. He's one of the best wingers in the league, one of the best in the world, but depends like what you base it off of. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what has become the standard of, of finishing versus missing a bunch of chances? I mean, if you're going to base everything on how many chances Ronaldo, Messi, Benzema all put away, it's just unfair to everyone. I mean, you see Lewandowski bagging like 40 goals a season for Bayern, but I mean, that man still misses a ton. You said mentioned Harry Kane. Harry Kane still like fights for the golden boot, even though he can't win a title or anything, but he misses tons of chances. You had Mohamed Salah, who misses plenty of chances for somehow still wins the golden boot. So, I mean, I don't think, I think the fact that, he misses a bunch of chances doesn't matter as much if as long as he keeps putting the same numbers that he has been, which is like, he's been hitting double digit goals. I think every season for the past 
five or six seasons, maybe. Um, mm. um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be a great addition. I think Koulibaly is an amazing addition because he's not a speciality player. He's not going to be only for a back three. He can work in a back four too, which is something I'm really I'm good about. Um, I think he can play left or right-sided center back. Um, so he's very versatile. He's a very two-footed. And honestly, uh, experience, tough physicality, fast is everything. I can't see any problem with him. He's definitely, like I said, one of Herder's one of the best um, defenders in Serie A consistently for the past couple of seasons. Um, and like you said, Italians, they don't speak lightly about defenders when they come back there. You've got some legendary names, Nesta, Cannavaro, Maldini, all of those were formed in the heart of Serie A. So even Thiago Silva came from Milan. So you see people like that. Koulibaly, definitely. Him, I'd say Chiellini, even Romagnoli dropped off, who we were linked to for a good while. But those players, still some of the best ones that have been there consistently. So Koulibaly for about 34 to 40 mil, great signing. I can't see us doing much better than that for that price. So uh, enough about the signings. Let's go into the game. Now, to start off, um, a good point that everyone I know is tuning into this pod to wonder about. Who let the players on Club America have triple-digit numbers on the back of their shirts? We yes. saw we saw a right back have 206. I saw, I think, a striker have 200. And I was just like, what in the hell is this? If there's not been a better point to make fun of, like, American. Now, granted, they are in Central America. Oh, no, they're technically in North America because it's Mexico. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to make fun of us for things we do differently over here fucking triple digit numbers uh, that one <laughs> takes the cake um and, and big uh, corona corona signs on the on the back of the shirts as well very oh, yeah. very large uh, commercial yeah yeah um and i think what i heard right is that apparently that's like their equivalent of using academy and youth numbers uh for their players and then playing in the senior team so how we would have that like- one that had the 200 shirt he did not look like he was youth he looked like he was 29 well, it might have been their equivalent of Danny Drinkwater in but the development squad. Right, yeah. yeah. Whatever that was, if you did not catch the game, there were people wearing triple-digit numbers on their shirts. So it was really weird. We had it to a double take. But, uh, yeah, enough of that little funny bit to get into that. So let's, uh, let's talk about the starting lineup. Now, we still had a 3-4-2-1 or so um, that started at the game. We had Kepa and Goal, Trevor, uh, Silva, Saar, Kennedy and um, Chilwell on the, the wingbacks. We had Gallagher and Barkley in a pivot, which is very odd. I swear, I don't think I saw Barkley touch the ball more than three times in that game. And you know a guy's done when he doesn't even turn up in preseason like he normally does. So uh, Barkley may truly well be finished. I didn't recognize him at first. He looked, he looked really weird to me. Like, from far away, I've normally been able to pick out Barkley that didn't look like Barkley to me. And it must be just because of his haircut or whatever, but. I think it was the short sleeves for me. Yeah. It's weird sh- seeing him wear short sleeves. It's weird seeing everyone with short sleeves kind yeah. of, because a lot of them normally wear like the, the long sleeve um, Under Armour or whatever under their, uh, under the shirts. So that was definitely different. Um, and then we had a front three of Havertz, Ziyech and Callum. And I was very surprised. I actually thought that front three would be able to bag a goal or two. Now, I know they're a bit rusty and everything, but um, I don't know. I, I had a feeling they were going to, but nothing really happened the first half. It was fairly 
fairly lackluster. Um, but Kai missed a chance. Kai missed a a, a big chance. I, I Kai, think he should Kai, score. Yeah, Kai did miss a big chance. Um, he took his chance fairly early. Um, and I'm kind of surprised. Uh, so I'll say this: I'm happy he took the chance because from watching Kai a bunch, I'm used to him trying to either chip the keeper or just uh, go around the keeper. But I'm glad he did take his chance. But um, finishing still his biggest thing to work on this off season or preseason, however y'all say it. Uh, we say off season a lot in America. Um, but that's his biggest thing for me is he needs to work on his finishing because he's going to be the, the main number nine for us up top. So if Kai can do that, um, it's going to be really crucial because I don't, I don't want to put all the pressure on Raheem um, or Mount or Pulisic or whoever's in that front three. Kai, Kai's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders this year. He's got he's to step up because I think it's safe to say as great as the champion um, league final goal was, you can't have your whole career here based on that. At a certain point, you have to start putting up the numbers. Um, and I think the bill's about to start coming due for Kai. Now he is another one of those younger ones, but if everyone's writing off Timo, writing off Pulisic that early on, just because they're not posting enough numbers, you're going to have to start looking at Kai if this season he doesn't deliver. Now he's still a great talent. I think that's going to do bits, but um He's kind of a weird one in terms of he doesn't have a true position. We've tried him as an eight. We've tried him as kind of a 10. Uh, we've tried him a little bit out wide, and then we've tried him as a nine. So he's still trying to find his place, and I think the nine is his best place, but he's just got to learn to start finishing a bit more. So that's his main thing um, I want to see from him. So, um, Johan, Charlie, I haven't talked to you all too much specifically about this, so I want to know what y'all's thoughts. But we have the three four two one to start out the game. How many games – now, this is for me because, like I've said, I made it very obvious I'm very big about moving to a back four because I think a 4 through 3 is going to suit us best. How many games have to go by before you give up hope that we might go to a back four this season? Johan, you can start off. In, in, in preseason or what do you mean? Well, we have four games in preseason, yeah. and then we're starting the league on August 8th, I believe. So, um I, and yeah. I feel like preseason is the best time to really experiment to move to a back four. So I guess um, just tell me how many out of these four games before we say we give up. I, I do want to see it in, in the next game. I, I really hope so because, uh, and I was hoping to, to see it in, um, in the game against Club America as, as, as well. I was kind of, I don't know. Maybe a little bit disappointed uh, to to see us uh, starting in uh, in that three four two one um, system once again uh, because we almost have no central defenders at our dis disposal. So I thought it was actually a very good opportunity because that was what what Thomas Tuchel said during last season because he said he used four at the back. Um, only as some kind of uh, an emergency because all of our defenders were injured at uh, at at, uh, at once uh, during the winter, I believe it was. Um, so he he commented on, on on that, and and I do I do believe that that last night was actually a very good opportunity to to to, to go with the with with four at the back. I I do think that. I do think that um, the signings uh, are a little bit hinting that we might go for for at the back or four three three four two three one uh, at at some point 
during the season be, be, because I and and if you if you look at the rumors around players, uh, I, I do think that it's yeah I I, I do think that it's uh, it 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 could look like that that he wants to 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 do that, but um, but yeah I don't know giving up hope well. It's not our decision to to to, to, to make, um, but um, but yeah, I, I do want to see it in in in, in the next game, and um, I don't know I don't know what he thinks. I, I, I think that he wants to use it, but maybe he's a little bit afraid to. Uh, and 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 obviously, we do, we don't have that specific profile of uh, a holding midfielder right now um, to. Um, you know, to to set some of the attackers free, to set some of the eights uh, free. I, I do, I do want to see him try Ethan Ampadu at uh, at that position. Um, I hope that Billy Gilmore is, yeah, I I, I hope he, he could be up and running uh, during the, the next couple of games. So maybe try him uh, try him in, in in that position as uh, as as well. But um, yeah. I don't know. I hope to see it the next game, but I I would not actually uh, bet on it. Try that by you. Um, firstly, I'll say that I haven't decided yet where I stand with whether I want us to go to a four-three-three or stay in this formation right now um, because of the lack of a natural defense midfielder. But one thing I will say about us playing it last night is the few times last season when we played a back four. Uh, Tuchel always said it was because he, he had to. He was like, you know, uh, I'm just using the formation I have to use with the team I have at my disposal. And I think he did that last night because Johan touched on the fact that, you know, we didn't have many centre-backs. But to be honest, we didn't have many centre-mids yesterday. We didn't have Kovacic, we didn't have Kante, and we didn't have Ruben off the chic And I don't think there's any chance in the hell that Thomas Tuchel would play back four without those three players. I think he trusts those three too much. I think, obviously, yeah, yeah, Jorginho. I don't know about the situation with Billy Gilmore, but I don't think, you know, let's say Jorginho was only ever going to play half the game. Um, and I think he wanted to see Ampadu in, in, I think he sees him as a defender. So we're not going to really see a, a midfield three of Gallagher, Barkley and, and Mason Mount. But it, it, does, it just doesn't really, it wouldn't have really worked yesterday, I don't think. So um, it, it's tough to see because obviously we're not going to get Loftus, Sheep or Kante uh, for this preseason tour, um, so I think I think we have to just ignore the formation in a way for the preseason tour, and then we'll see what happens when we get back to um, the normal season. But I would not be shocked if we don't see it until past Christmas. I really think Tuchel isn't scared to use a back four. I just think he's almost at times scared to not use the back three because it does work with the players that we have at our disposal, especially the wing backs, especially Tiago Silva and especially Jorginho. And Jorginho is still going to be here this season probably. Tiago Silva is still going to be in that middle. So I really don't see the back four being um, that likely personally, but I could be wrong. Well, thanks for shooting my hopes down. But um, no, you break a really good point is that maybe the personnel that we have on hand will kind of heavily influence the lack of experimentation that we do. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe we shouldn't really base too much off of preseason in terms of tactics 
and how much um, he's trying to change. Maybe, maybe we won't see much of a back four because you're right. We are missing Conte. We are missing Ruben for two of our um, central midfielders. Billy also was out. Kovacic was out. And you're right. As those names dwindled down, we're definitely going to probably see um, only a two-man midfield. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, I do hope to see uh, Billy and Kovacic back in preseason on the American tour um, soon because, one, just health-wise. Two, I really want to see them in Orlando. I really do because I'm going to be there. Um, And we saw Mount there. We saw Mount in the pivot, and I think that was just to give the wingers a little bit of uh, game time. So, And obviously, like you said, as there are less people here, um available to play we're gonna have to give uh i mean mount can play in a pivot in the preseason game i don't think there's too much really to base it off of but um we saw gallagher in the pivot as well and i i don't think the six or the double six is really his ideal position but something we've heard a lot about connor is that he's got a very high uh, um footballing iq he's very intelligent He's a very hard worker. Um, are you, Johan, or Charlie, are y'all both uh, familiar with the term coachability? Yeah, yeah. 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 So well, what something I'm wondering is that if we do stay with this 3-4-2-1 throughout the season, Gallagher is a name that we've all said has to be in this team. And I think there's been a little bit of a debate between what would be his position? Would he be in the, in the pivot or would he be behind Mount? Um, in depth and be kind of like a right forward if we ha- and this was talk- a lot of talks before we really brought in Sterling and ZH still hasn't left yet so that's kind of hard to say so you would naturally think the pivot would be his formation but one thing's for certain I think we all agree on is that Gallagher has to feature in this team somehow and if he doesn't feature in this team this season I think there's a very good chance that he would probably want out just mm. because he wouldn't see himself as his plan so do you think Gallagher's coachability is so high that he could make the, the one of the, the pivot positions, his starting position in the team? Johan, you can go. Yeah, I, I, I do think that I do think it's a, it's, it's a possibility. Um, his, uh, his footballing IQ is, 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 is very high. And you could see from the, I, I know we cannot, we sit here and, and, and we analyze uh, on, on a, a preseason game where it's the first, it was a typical first preseason game. It was much more about match fitness and uh, maybe some players we actually want out. We, we are still giving them some game time because other clubs, <laughs> they, they have to be reminded of uh, Michi Bacuay still exists and Kennedy still exists. And, uh, and we have to give them a little bit, something to, to, to show off. But um but I, I do think that it was uh, it was obvious to everyone who who actually watched the game uh, that Conor Gallagher did a did his part did did a very good uh, forty five minutes and that was that was in a pivot next to Ross Barkley who is also very much uh, forward thinking uh, before every everything else in uh, and that's in his game he used to play the 10 for 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 Everton and um, he was an attacking eight in the in in Saris uh, Mauricio Saris uh, system oh god he's been around for for like ages right um and um, and and I still think that Conor Gallagher impressed even though we 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 often talk about that he has uh, like Mount um, 
and like uh, Kovacic have to, have to they have to play next to a very defensive minded player and Gallagher did not play next to a very defensive minded player yesterday he played next to Ross Barkley who is very much depth and deadwood and 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 all that um yeah and and still looked very good i think he was well the first thir- 30 minutes was was much they were much better than than um, the last 15 i think he ran out of gas and i think it's natural right now that even though players only play for like one half of the game they still run out of steam uh, because it's still so so early in 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 the preseason so uh, but the first 30 minutes i i do believe was that, that was a very good um uh, outing by uh, by by Conor Gallagher. I think it was yeah comfortable on the ball, and we know his uh, his tenacious. His 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 very he's like Mount. He's working hard, and and that is that is one of his uh, main weapons that he is uh, constantly uh, playing with uh, with a very high intensity, um, pressuring and uh, yeah. But but the the thing that was um, the thing I was mostly happy. Uh, to see about Gallagher's game was how comfortable he actually was on, on the ball uh, when when uh, when he was exposed to to to, to pressure. Uh, I do believe that he he did uh, start some some good counter attacks uh, also and and was was gaining space by by dribbling. So it 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 could look we, we know Mateo Kovacic is the kind of uh, midfield profile that on paper should be very much uh, a, a player who excels in, in, uh, in a free man midfield. And I do believe that Gallagher is that's almost similar kind of profile. Um, but we know Kovacic can work in a, in a, in a, yeah, in a two-man midfield, in a pivot. And uh, I, I do believe that if we, lear- if we were to learn anything from, from last night's game, it was that... Gallagher could potentially play in the in in a two. Okay. Um. Before you uh finish the thought off, so like we uh kind of said and made this obvious in this episode and many others is that we are blessed with many gifted mid- midfielders. Obviously, they can't all play. We have a lot that really are talented eights. We have Mount. We have Gallagher. We have Kovacic. Billy is kind of a weird one, but you could call him more of an eight than a six probably due to his physicality Ruben talented eight on his day Barkley I'm not going to put him there but um but you can see that and Conte and Conte is a weird one because he's a good eight but he's not super offensively gifted I would say but he's still a good eight in his position or a two-man midfield so the problem is you have all those names and then you have Jorginho as a kind of as a good holding six um and a pivot but you have no real lone dm and now ethan ampadu has come in who could maybe if they were going to go with a two-man midfield or even try a three and people also forget trevor chalaba also has played a holding midfielder um in his loan spells now he's definitely had a i would definitely say central um, defense is his more preferred position and probably what he's better at but i would be interested to see Tuchel maybe just put uh, Chalba or Empadu at a lone DM to see, but um, that's kind of a side tangent, but uh, Jan, if Gallagher 
is going to be in the pivot, which we all, I think, agree. If we have a midfield pivot, he needs to be in there. Now, and I'm not saying he needs to automatically be over Kovacic because I think Kovacic is still probably our best midfielder. So Gallagher is probably going to be a substitute for him. Who do you think is the best person to compliment Gallagher? Is it Jorginho or is it, are you hoping Ampadu or Billy can fill the spot? Give it because I think what you were saying in this there is he is so coachable that he could and he looked comfortable on the ball and kind of being the more holding uh, midfielder of the pivot, but he's still like the type of player who's better at getting forward, kind of similar to Kovacic. So, who, who in your opinion do you think would be best to compliment him? Well, I I know I said that uh, Mateo Kovacic and and him are uh, a bit similar uh, to to each other, but I do also want to see them at least uh, be tried uh, together in 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 a pivot uh, because we all want to see Gallagher uh, excel and we we all want to see him do well in a Chelsea shirt uh, and I think that he will, but. Matteo Kovacic is unplayable on his best days. And, and he was uh, one of the, if not for his injury, one of uh, the, the the very high candidates for, for play of the season last uh, last season. I, I think that his development is amazing. And and we were speaking about age uh, before. What is he now? He's also 26, 27, Matteo Kovacic. Uh, 27, 28 or so. Yeah, yeah. So... He should still, uh, and he's very experienced by now, um, has played for big clubs uh, other than other than Chelsea and had, and he has a lot of pedigree uh, right now, but he is still he, he looks like he is growing in his uh, in his game um, in his in his arsenal. so, so I, um, I, I I do think that our best midfield combination even uh, if it's a two or uh, no matter if it's a, a two or a three man uh, midfield I, I do think that Kovacic he has to be there um, and if it could work, work together with um, with Gallagher I don't know on paper it could look a little uh, vulnerable uh, in uh, in in the defensive part of it but they are both very hard working and um I do think that we saw some some good tracking back from from uh, from Gallagher as well uh, last night. That is also one of his one of the parts of of his game that maybe goes a little bit under the radar. We all look at oh he could become this uh, almost Frank Lampard profile kind of player that uh, that gets a lot into the box and and scoring goals and and we we all want to see that transferred to uh, to 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 Chelsea. We have seen him do that in in Crystal Palace, um, but but I do think he's great uh, defensive uh, as 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 well. So um, I I want to see at least uh, Tuchel try those uh, those those two together. I do think that he could bring a lot of the things that uh, Jorginho also brings, but he could. Then we have two. We have two players in midfield that is uh, thinking uh, both ways, and and I think will very much uh, also also look uh, look to to um, yeah look look towards the, the the final third maybe quicker than uh, than Jorginho who who tends to play it uh, way more safe, um, but 
but yeah, on paper, uh, he he is a he is a player that you you should pair with a more more defensive minded player than 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 Kovacic. I just think that Kovacic uh, is our best midfielder. Uh, so um, I, I I want to see that. Okay, so Charlie, now you let on that you really don't think the four three three is going to happen much. So you think that we are going to stay with the three four two one much. So Johan kind of proposed that he would like to see Kovacic and Gallagher play together in a pivot because they are our best midfielders. But he did acknowledge that we might seem a little vulnerable in midfield if we have them both. Now, Charlie, tell me, do you think having a new bolstered back three of, say, Koulibaly, Silva, and Chalaba, um, without taking into account any new signings, do you think it might be defensively strong enough to allow a midfield pivot of Kovacic and Gallagher? No, <clears throat> no, no, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, it depends when, but overall, no. I think, um, as I was going to say, because I, I have slightly different opinion where I think, um, I do think it'll be used a lot as a sort of mount backup. And I think he'll save Mount about 10 games a season for next season. So he'll play about 45 instead of 55. Um, I can see uh, Gallagher playing in the pivot with uh, Kovacic or Kante, but only because of the five subs rule. And say we're at home to Fulham, it's one all, it's the 75th minute. I could, I could be okay with him coming on in a pivot in, in that format. Uh, in that situation, but if you're talking to me about you know Tottenham at home, second game of the season, Gallagher starting in the pivot, no chance. And only if it's with Jorginho. Even though I rate Kovacic, Kante, every, everyone higher than Jorginho at the moment. Um, no disrespect to Jorginho, I just think he dipped in the second half of last season a lot. He aged like ten years, but it's because of the you know the defensive stability. But I am so scared of losing all the time, so I couldn't deal with uh, starting Gallagher in the pivot from the start. But I do want to I do want to say this about Gallagher. And this is probably why I would never be paid to talk about football. Reese James will play less than 30 Premier League games next season. I know it's sad, but I do think he has some injury problems. Um, they're not terrible, but they refrain him from playing the amount of games that Mason Mount does. We played Ruben Loftus-Cheek right wing back a few times towards the end of last season. I'm trying to look at a part of Gallagher's game that he doesn't have to fit the right wing back role. I think he could do it as a sort of third choice backup like Ruben Loftus-Cheek did last season. He's got the energy to run up and down that wing. He, he can defend, he can attack. I don't, I'm not sure about his crossing, but Alonso can't cross and he got by it for 10 years doing in that position. So, yeah, I think a little bit of the pivot off the bench, right forward uh, slash 10 off the bench and starting and then a little wild card at right wing back for him. That's interesting. That's uh, I, I haven't thought about that take at all. Um, I feel like on paper you might think that's really weird, but maybe that kind of goes back to my question about how high his coachability is. Could he make that? And then we're obviously not talking about a starting role. We're saying if maybe a, a low cup game or something like Maurice gets hurt and we could, we have not addressed the depth right now. So that is a good yeah. question that you're kind of bringing up. Then if Reese gets hurt and Aspilicueta leaves, what are we going to do? Are we going to stick Callum back at right wing back again? I don't think we want to do that, but 
maybe and if Ruben is here or gone we have no clue yet there haven't been a lot of credible links to any outgoing moves for him but Gallagher is that type of player that you really don't want to bench much at all like he is a better asset to you on the field that maybe even as a right wing back or more just a right midfielder that he could now it probably would take a lot of tactical adjustment you could say um and how they line up but um maybe maybe that's a thing that we could see you're right he does have a lot of great physical attributes that, um, that helps him maybe be able to play multiple positions maybe one he hasn't played yet in right wing back or we could just call it more of a right midfielder in itself so uh that's an interesting take i haven't heard that one but um i wouldn't shut anything down until i say he couldn't do it because like i said he has incredible uh, footballing iq i've heard he's incredibly coachable but um, I think a lot of people would probably agree that we would rather get secure like a um, a Klaus for like Klaus, ten mil, yeah, yeah, yeah. for like ten mil or so, um, have that as depth. But we haven't heard that many credible links. And if we don't get Kunde, a lot of people thought Kunde would be the right back, right wing back kind of depth. We really have not answered that question yet. But um, it's starting to look more likely that we're going to have Emerson or a lot. I'd probably say Emerson more than Alonso stay with Ben because Alonso to Barcelona looks like it could be happening potentially, but um, maybe, you know, uh, and we did talk about, I think you were the one who said how you don't think we will see a four through three until Christmas because Tuchel really doesn't want to use um, like he doesn't want to use a four at the back, especially because we might not have that holding midfield profile we really need yet. Maybe, I think a lot of people also don't expect us to challenge for the title this season um, because we still are putting the pieces back together to really have like a title uh, challenging side. Maybe Tuchel seeing it that way as well. And he wants to keep a three, four, two, one this season. And then maybe next summer is the one we get rice or, um, or I mean, honestly, rice is the only uh, really lone DM target I can think of they could maybe make all of this work. Um, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. I don't know where um, I was going with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. But Johan, what, did you have any thoughts what, on Gallagher as a right wing back depth? Because as of right now, we're not going to talk hypotheticals of uh, transfers because I don't know, but we've had a transfer in every new city and Charlotte's next. So we might have another one in Charlotte. Yeah. That, that'd be interesting. I, I'd be, I'd probably want to see a Klaus. More than I, I'd want to see Klaus more than Kempembe probably just because I would love to have that depth secured, but Johan, is, is there any bit of you that thinks Gallagher could do a, like a right wing back, right mid role? I think his flexibility is, uh, is, is one of his, uh, his, his, his main traits. So, 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 so why not? I, I never thought of, uh, Room loves his cheek as a as a, as a wing back, uh, but uh, then he suddenly starts at Santiago uh, <laughs> Bernabeu in, uh, in 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 that role. So 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 why not for Conor Gallagher? I, I do think that I as as we talked about earlier, his uh, coachability, his uh, footballing IQ that puts him in a position to yeah play a lot of position and and. Um, and that is what, if, if you listen to the London is Blue podcast, when when uh, when Chelsea youth uh, is uh, is is on speaking about the the academy is one of the main things that um, that that uh, applies to 
all of the the the, the good graduates uh, from the academy right now is that they are so flexible in in the game they are so well coached that uh, they can adapt to a lot of uh, different positions so i do think that i, I don't see Conor gallagher as a as a as a, as a right wing wing back uh, option right now but of course he can do a job and and who Besides Christian Pulisic, maybe he—he's the one that uh, is is pissed off uh, because he's he's thrown a lot around. But Callum Hudson-Odoi, his whole Chelsea career has been uh, a, a various number of, of uh, positions. Uh, we we know Rhys James can play a lot of positions. Um, Mason Mount is not—he's he's basically playing as a winger right now, but he's not a winger. Uh, he's he's playing an, an, another position, and right now we're we're sitting here and and guessing what what position is Conor Gallagher gonna play for this Chelsea side next season. We don't know, but we sure as hell uh, want to see him play for Chelsea, no matter what the position is, actually, because he he is uh, that good. And uh, yeah, I I I do think that. Um, that those words about about the the Chelsea academy we, we can really we can really see that we can really see that now because they are so tactically uh, flexible and uh, yeah and Connor is uh, is as well. You're y'all make a lot of good points about um, the tactical flexibility um, the Tuchel has um, the versatility that the Chelsea academy graduates kind of are brought up with so they're always prepared because like. Um, it's very hard for the, for the academy graduates to really make in the squad. So they probably do train themselves a lot to be flexible, to be ready for whatever kind of opens up in, in like a certain parameter of what like their skill set is. So it, and definitely is Gallagher almost is like Billy to me at this right point that he doesn't have a true like position that easily fits in with what system we're doing right now. Cause like I said, I think he'd be best in like uh, an eight position, but I do think he, he's going to be one of those names that took was like, I have to figure out a way to use him. And I would say, I wouldn't be surprised if Gallagher is not a starter for a while, but the fact that we have the five substitutes, I definitely think he's going to be one of the players off the bench to inject a lot of energy, probably right away. I would say that now a name we haven't talked about too much is Conte. And what this could mean for him, this could be Conte's last season with us. Um, and we could see any, it probably is better if Conte is not one of the first choices because his health has been a very big issue with um, how well he can play in games. And he, I think we've reached the point in his career where he really needs to be deployed as a secret weapon, kind of as a super sub. And we can't be playing him all these games. So I could see Gallagher taking a lot of minutes away from Conte to give him that rest, but I could see a, a Gallagher Conte pivot. I could maybe see that might be decent, um, but I kind of want to shift away a little bit from that. Um, also, none of us mentioned this name, and I think it's because we haven't seen him on the tour too much, and he was also missing from the squads, but uh, Dujon Sterling, he's still a name that could be that uh, right wing back deaf. Um, behind Reese James. I feel bad that we didn't think about his name at the time, but it's also just because he didn't have a huge notable spell at Blackpool last season. Um, and he hasn't been featured too much in preseason. So he's kind of gone ghost a little bit. I don't even know if he's hurt. Um, 
there's been a lot of actually Chelsea uh, Academy graduates that have been kind of um, AWOL um, from preseason. It's felt like Gallagher really is the only one I can think of. Oh, Ampadu as well. Ampadu we saw, but we'll probably talk about next, but we really haven't seen that many. Um, and before I talk about Ampadu, I actually want to talk about um, Ben Chilwell. We saw Ben Chilwell come back, um, got some good minutes. He looked a little rough, I would say, but I think it, getting his match fitness back is going to take a while um, considering he played 10, 15 minutes against the closer against Watford uh, last season. And then this is his first real game back and he only played one half. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the the goal of this preseason is get Chilwell back in match fitness form. So where he could start the first game, August 8th, especially because we don't know if Alonso will still be here. Um, And I don't know if y'all noticed this, but in the match, Chilwell really looked like he was pinching inside when attacking. Like I would notice a lot in last season, whenever he played, he hugged the wing and he had this overlapping tendency with whoever was on the left, um, was like the left forward, left winger. But this time he didn't really seem to have that shape. It was more like he was a left central midfielder. And, and I, did y'all notice that? Did y'all notice that he seemed to really tuck in a lot more and that the, the wing, the winger really held the width of the field on the, the left side. Yeah, I did. I, I actually commented on that pretty early on. Um, my instant thought is that perhaps it's because of the pivot being Gallagher and Barkley. He just maybe said to Chile sort of in his ear again, you know, just tactically, let's have a look at that, uh, join them to make it a midfield three at times, because, you know, that it, it isn't, uh, a defense midfielder in there, um, and then but I was also potentially worried that he didn't feel confident enough to to run the overlap, and, and maybe he didn't feel like he had that pace in him right now that he is rusty and that he can't hug the touchline like he'd like to do. Um, so either way, I think it could have been one of those, and I'm hoping it's more about that. He just was there to support the midfield a little bit more, like um, Jao Cancelo does it for Man City. Uh, quite a lot and I do just think that is a lot of what modern fullbacks do fullbacks are almost like central midfielders which is why uh, Conor Gallo will be playing right wing back next season uh, you can uh, trust me on that one sorry Johan what do you think about Chilwell um, kind of pinching in do you think it meant was a more conserving his physicality and his energy or do you think maybe it could have been Tuchel making a tactical shift to kind of have more, um, it's not a word, playability is not a word, but I mean, more potential to play through the middle because I feel like last season we really saw a lack of playing through the middle of the field and breaking through the lines. So do you think he's trying to have less, I wouldn't say less width, but less um, volume on the width of our um, of our team? Maybe is he trying to have the winger really just contain that left side and then have Chilwell pinch more inside that way we're almost like a three-man midfield um mm. when we're pushing into the final third and that maybe more opportunity to to have like line breaking passes through the middle do you think it could be a tactical shift like that or do you think it's more like Charlie said maybe Ben's conserving his energy and physicality a bit more yeah like a lot of uh of 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 uh, all the things that that we saw uh, in in last night's game um, I want to wait till the next game to see if we can maybe 
analyze some some tendencies, uh, some some things that are similar for 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 both, uh, yeah, the Club America and um, and the Charlotte game um, to to see if yeah if if there are uh, any any uh, tactical tendencies that uh, that that is, is trying to do. So I would not, I'll, I'll try not to overanalyze it, but I do think that it. It is a good idea um, to to have Chilwell inside because, and his his uh, his shooting is, uh, is 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 okay. He could be a threat from uh, from 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 distance. So getting him into uh, positions, uh, he's he's been scoring some some goals from uh, from you know that kind of a little bit tucked in, not uh, from quite the right wide uh, area. He's uh, he's not the typical kind of. Uh, Overlapping uh, wing back and crossing from from the byline in in the first place. So uh, I do think it's yeah, it, it could look like that we're trying to to crowd more uh, centrally. But I do also think that it depends on who he is playing together with on the on the left wing, because he was playing mostly with Callum on the the left hand side, and Callum is a player who needs to be wide to uh, to to do the things that he is, uh, is 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 good at so i do think it was a combination of as you said the, the the fitness and not having him run back and forth in in 45 minutes um, but also to create space for a player like callum hudson odoi um maybe if it's I will, I will wait and see if what happens when Raheem Sterling, when he's deployed on the on the left hand side, because Raheem Sterling is more a roaming kind of left winger when he plays there. He wants to uh, he wants to, to to seek the 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 central areas and um, and and uh, yeah, I, I do think that that could create more space for Chilwell to go uh, on on the the overlapping uh, the overlapping side, but. Um, more in general, I, I, that's also a funny, th- funny thing about those preseason games that we see some players get, uh, we, uh, they all get 45 minutes, but I wanted, I would have wanted to see both Reese and Chile on, on the same team in the same half uh, to see what is the tactical tendencies there when we play those two, because I know uh, everyone knows that we are a better team when Ben Chilwell and Rhys James are playing, uh, whether it's fullbacks or 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 wingbacks, depends on the system. But but when when we play with wingbacks, we are definitely better with with those two playing. Um, so I, I thought it was, but I, I would have liked us to see if it's if it's uh, still forty five minutes for everyone in the next game. I do want to see us bring more like the A team uh, in. In, in one of the halves. I don't care if it's first or, or second half, but I, I do want to see Reese and, and Chile play 45 minutes together to see what will Tuchel try to, to bring out of, uh, out of them. And maybe we'll see more of that kind of later in the preseason, like against Arsenal in Orlando, um, yeah. when everyone's kind of gotten minutes at that point. Maybe he'll have a really firm 11 and then they'll play more than just 45 minutes but yeah it's probably just a, a tactical thing Tuchel doesn't want to make too strong too weak of a side to kind of upset the scoreline of the game yeah. um one thing that kind of stuck out to me is when you mentioned Callum he was linking up with the fact that Callum has played wing back a good bit for us probably 
more than against the wishes of the fans. Maybe that's why Chilwell was able to tuck inside the middle more because he knows because Tuchel knows that Callum has like the tendencies to to run back to um to cover as wing back. So the fact that he like we obviously don't really think of him as a wing back, but the fact that he could you know, for some reason lose the ball, chase down the defender, and then we also have Sar or whoever's playing that left side kind of pinch in. Maybe it gives Chilwell more time to recover. Um, but maybe, maybe that's an idea of why um, why only like Callum really hugged the touchline on that bit. Um, um, it's just it's just a thought. But also you'll make a good point. Like we don't need to overanalyze everything that happens in preseason. We're just trying to think of things that maybe Tuchel's experimenting with. What has he thought over the summer? Um, so two last points I really want to touch on. Uh, it's mainly for the defenders. Chalba looked pretty good. I thought he had a very um, solid outing. He looked really good. And obviously we've been linked with Kunde and Kimpembe still to come in. If um, we, if we sign Kunde and Kimpembe, I think it'd be very surprising, but I'm only going to think we really signed one. So if we, so let's see, if we sign Kimpembe, Kimpembe probably would play the left center back in the back three. Silva would play the middle and Koulibaly would play the right center back. But Chalaba has done very well so far um, in the past outings that he's done. If Kunde or Kimpembe still came in, do you think they deserve, based on the transfer fee and their name and experience, do you think they deserve to start right away over Trevor? Well, um, that's that's a tough one. Um, I, I do think Trevor is, is ready to play a lot of games. But I, I also... I also see that he will probably need some 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 more years of experience uh, before he's ready to play to play all the big games to play week in week out when when the the schedule really gets uh, really gets tough. Um, I do agree. Uh, he looks. Uh, he was also one of the better outings uh, yesterday. He uh, he looked very comfortable. In, uh, in in possession when 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 um, exposed for pressure uh, and uh, solid defensively as uh, as per so uh, yeah a very good performance uh, from him and I do I, I spoke about that uh, just a couple of minutes ago playing people together that we actually want to see together and silver on the uh, on the center of the the free at the back and Trevor on the on the the right, the right center back, that is uh, a pairing we have seen uh, a lot of times last season, and uh, it it was nice to see that that Tuchel wanted to 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 build on that if we if we are to 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 analyze on uh, on that. But I do think it's right now it's it's a tough question because right now it's about numbers. We need to get people. In. We need we need to sign defenders, and we've signed one quality defenders, one one quality defender, and uh, and we need to sign more. If if we are to sign defenders, why not go for the highest caliber of defenders? And um, but of course every every player that comes in have to have to uh, have to earn their their, their spot. I uh, I I want to uh, piggyback on on what Charlie said on Kulibali. Uh, I've seen a lot of Kunde and I do think that he's uh, very well suited for the right-handed uh, uh, side of the of a free at the back. Uh, I have not seen Kim Bembe that much. Um, 
but I do know he's uh, has a great left foot and and he's more suited for yeah for for the left side of uh, of of the defense. Um, so if if Kimpembe comes in, then I do think it's a pathway for a lot of minutes for um, for for Chalaba because yeah, Kulibali is also actually more natural uh, on on the left. He's playing mostly in a four at the back. Um, in, in, in Napoli, but that is mostly on, on the on the left side. Um, so if Kimpembe comes in, that opens up uh, even more minutes for uh, for Chalaba. But if, if it's Kunde who is to come, then uh, then then they will have to compete for that. But we've also seen Chalaba play a little bit uh, in the central position, and uh, yeah, another example of uh, the Cobham flexibility tactically so um yeah will be it's a good question and and maybe not a very great answer so exciting to see charlie what, what do you think about the potential of the competition that uh Chalaba could face and if he deserves to uh, still hold his place i mean he had competition last year and he dealt with it very well you know at the start of the season he was he was up against christensen and aspilicueta who started in a uh, Champions League final. Well, sorry, Christian didn't start, but we know that he played a big part of that. He played about 60 or uh, 55 minutes or so after Silver got um, subbed off. So he was competing with two Champions League winners. And um, and he doubled up very well. And Tuchel really likes him. Tuchel likes his speed and his power. Um, so I don't worry too much. Um, a part of me wants. Kunde more than Kimpembe. I've seen them both a handful of times, but I just think that there's something about Kunde that I just think suits Silva and Kulabali more. Um, then again, Tugel had Kimpembe, so if he wants him, I trust that. But um, if we get Kunde, I feel like he's going to give Kunde a little bit of time to settle in, which will give Shalaba a lot of chances. Uh, but if it's Kimpembe, then uh, I do think Shalaba will struggle to get the amount of game time he did in the first half of last season uh, this time around. But I hope he does. Um, people like to just talk about Colwell mostly when it comes to uh, taking minutes off Chelsea centre-backs, but Shalaba can be a bit of a forgotten man uh, at times with the Chelsea fan base and he deserves his game time. Um, I'm sure he'll still get a bit, but I do, I do worry for him a little bit if Kimpembe comes in. If Kimpembe and Kunde both come in, then I think Shalabu should uh, be pretty angry about that, to be honest. Now, um, something that Johan did touch on, um, and Johan did have to leave right now, um, so it's going to be Charlie and I um, finishing up the episode, but um, something he did mention is that Chalaba also does play central, um, center in fact, pretty well, and as much as I hate it, we are probably going to think about the fact that this is going to be a 3-4-2-1 going forward or a 3-4-3, especially considering the amount of um, central defenders that we're trying to bring in. So something I think most of the fan base agrees on is that even though Silva's our best defender, he probably should not be playing the amount of minutes that he has been, especially at his growing age. So we're talking a lot about a, a back line of potentially Koulibaly, Silva, Chalaba, or Koundé, but we – as we always drop Silva's name in there, but don't think about the fact that God forbid Silva could sustain an injury that is longstanding, or he could just need to not play as many games as normal. So 
uh, something we really should talk about is who is really going to be Silva's cover in that central spot? And it could be Chalba. Chalba definitely can do that role. We had Christensen who was doing it before, but he's obviously not there. And we saw Ampadu in this past game um, operate as that central um, center back. And he did it very well. He did very well in the game. He sprayed passes very well. He covered, you could see the, the intelligence when um, someone was bombing down one side, I think he was flanked by uh, Aspilicueta in the second half. Uh, and Aspilicueta was running towards him. You could see Ampadu starting to run with him, but then he kind of wavered off and moved back into the center to um, to just cover the middle, which is position. So I do really want Ampadu to stay this season because I think this is the best season for him in terms of depth that he could fill in because – he could do well behind Silva. If we need an anchoring midfielder in a pivot or as a lone DM, I think he's probably the best person to put in there as kind of a makeshift lone DM, him or Chalaba. But who do you think would be better as Silva's cover? Would you rather see Ampadu or would you rather see Chalaba playing that central spot in the back three? Hmm. Uh, I mean, so we saw Ampadu do it last night. I think he did really well. Uh, I saw Shalaba do it last season in the Carabao Cup against Aston Villa early on. I was there for that, and I thought he did a, a fantastic job in the middle of the back three. Again, that was against a Premier League opponent rather than no disrespect to Club America, but it was against Aston Villa. Um, and I, I did, I did see a quote on Twitter about Tuchel saying that he thinks Kulabali can play centre as well. Um, but between Ampadu and Shalaba, I probably would still lean towards Ampadu because I think if if everything is going well uh, the middle centre back in the back three shouldn't have to be all that physical and you know be making tackles and stuff so it is more about the way they play on the, uh, with the ball David Louise was always fantastic at that Thiago Silva's fantastic at that now so if you know we're flourishing and we're playing well then um, Ampadu would be a, a really nice choice in the middle of the back three I think yeah and I think also another thing that goes really well is that, um, and this is no slide at Chalva, he's good at, at his um, his breaking the line passes that he does on the right, but I think there's something about how Ampadu sprays the ball really quickly. He has a great long ball on him from the middle uh, center back spot. I think that's a really important role, especially if you don't have a very lone DM ahead of you. Like say, like Johan touched on this, like what if we did a Gallagher Kovacic pivot is very offensive or it's like if you don't have Jorginho ahead of you who is probably the most offensive minded midfielder we had out of that bunch and then Ampadu is probably gonna be the best one to kind of anchor that down and kind of be the distributor of the ball um and I think that is something he probably has over Chalaba um not to mention we haven't really talked about Levi Caldwell too much and that might be because he didn't feature in the game last night there's been a lot of talk that he may leave but he's definitely someone who can play that center spot as well as the left side. So there's a lot of options. And I know this is really all hurting my speaking the 4-3-3 into existence thing. But um, there we are we are really creating almost a stacked up a mid, um, as, a, as a defense as we have as the midfield in terms of center backs. We really, really are about to be just like full of riches of talented center backs. Like if you did get a Kempembe or Kunde, you've got Ampadu, Caldwell, Chalaba, Silva, 
Koulibaly, Kimpembe, or Kunde. Um, hell, if you worst came to worst and everyone just fell off the radar, you have Reese, who's a fantastic um, center back there. So it, it almost begs the question: Why wouldn't you do a three at the back to 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 deploy as many of those as possible? And and like the combinations that you could make, like Koulibaly, Silva, uh, Chalaba, or Kunde, Koulibaly, uh, Kawa. I mean, there's 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 so many. So I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of confidence um that if something happened to Silva who I still think is our best center back that we can easily fill his place and that we wouldn't really have a handicap in one of the other positions if they filled in because there's so much good depth we're going to have in our defense even after losing Rudiger I think Koulibaly is a great replacement um if we bring in Kunde or Kimpembe and I really do think one of them will come in that's an upgrade on Christensen. That is a straight upgrade on Christensen. And then you still have Levi Kola, who's coming off a great loan, who's still an amazing talent. You have Ampadu, who I would say is one of those weird hybrid players who isn't definitely a defender, but he could do a great job there. And then obviously we have Chalaba. Um, and then we haven't mentioned Aspeli Cueta, but if he, if he leaves, then yeah, that's it. But if he doesn't leave, You've got to think Aspilicueta is going to get some minutes. I mean, as much as depth as he was for Reese, um, especially when he was hurt, I really don't want Aspilicueta as like the right back, right wing back anymore. He's more of a right center back, in my opinion. But we're really, we're really uh, blessed with the amount of defenders we now have for that back three, which is pretty good for Mendy because. Mendy did not have the greatest of seasons last season. We saw him drop off a bit more. We also saw the, the defense kind of crumble a bit more. I think in discipline, um, and you saw how the injuries plagued us last season. So I think that's something Tuchel's really trying to prepare for now because Chilwell, major injury. Reese, major injury. Silva, aging. You got a lot of people who could drop off the squad right now. Um like we did mention before, I am still worried about cover for Reese, but for Ben Emerson, not probably. You said you're very high on Emerson, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually always had a bit of a soft spot for Emerson. I don't know if it's actually objective, but I really like him. Um, I think as left wing back, uh, sub to go, I think he's, I think he's good to be honest. I think he's very nice in the ball. He's good at, he's good enough at defending. This is the thing. He's better at defending than Alonso. He's better in attack than Alonso. And do you see that goal against Atletico Madrid last uh, in the Champions League campaign? He's a better finisher than Alonso. He almost well, recreated it. He almost yeah. did it last night. Yeah. He did, yeah. No, I think I think Emerson's a he's a good player, and he's at a good age, and he fits the system. Um, he made players like Hazard, you know, uh, happy when as a left back and a left wing partnership. So he can link up with Hudson Adoy, Pulisic, Sterling, whoever's out of the left. Um, whereas Alonso is just a nightmare for them. So I think Emerson's a, a really good backup one. We absolutely need to prioritize him on other positions. And um, I will say this, Tuchel himself has praised Emerson a lot. He's, he's said many more good things about Emerson than he has Alonso. So... I mean, you wouldn't be you would be in good company with Tuchel in terms of people who like Emerson. And if that if that uh, compassion, that favorability is still there, there is a good chance we may see Emerson um, as the backup role staying here. And that would save us a position 
at least for one season to uh, that we wouldn't have to bolster. And maybe that's for best. I mean, we have seen some decent players who could play the left. Uh, I believe for Hoffenheim, there's that realm. Um, people have talked to Borna Sosa from Stuttgart, but Borna Sosa also is kind of a Alonzo, just a younger Alonzo region. He's not very good defensively, but who knows? Maybe somebody could coach him on that. But um, I would say when you look at left back cover, it's probably one of the lower priorities that we have in the squad. I would still even put striker above them because um, if for some reason Kai is not kicking off, Broya could stay. And I think he, he could do a good job as a substitute. Um, and I would like him to stay. But other than that, you just have Timo. And even yeah. that is a bit of a handicap if Timo's not in good form. Now, we did see Timo score last night. So that was good for him. Any little bit of scoring, good for confidence. But um, yeah, I still think there are more questions to ask besides that. Uh, that left back cover. So you're right. Maybe we need, need to give Emerson a little more of a chance. Um, I think obviously everyone just hopes that Ben stays healthy. Larice stays healthy because they're still young. They're still very young. So if yeah. they are healthy and they don't get hurt, then there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to do um, a lot of games. But also we probably should be a little more sparing on the cup games, like uh, mainly the Carabao and the FA Cup maybe those games who really should trust someone like Emerson or I wouldn't say Dijon Sterling, but if we got like a Klaus or someone trust them a lot more to, to basically start and finish that whole game. Because I think it similar to Conte, how his health kind of was debilitating. If we don't take care of recent Ben right now, after major injuries, then we're just going to be back at square one. And then we're just going to be looking at a ruined season again. Yeah. I actually worry less about, uh, chill world than actually to about James weirdly but um mainly because I feel like chill world's not an injury prone player he's had this one huge injury the ACL and it happens and if you look at players like uh Van Dyke and um, I know Loftus Cheek obviously does have injury problems but to be honest since Loftus Cheek did his ACL he's actually been okay and uh, since Van Dyke did his he's been okay Reese James gets continuous uh, muscle injuries. If if he doesn't play more than 26, 27 Premier League games next season, you're going to start to have to give him the, the trait of being injury prone. So I do worry a little bit for him, and that's why I've had in my mind about who, who could be a backup to him or right wing back. But um, left wing back, I'm not worried so much. So having him and Emerson would be absolutely fine. And when I hear names touted like Raum and Sosa, I, I, I personally don't understand it because Chilwell's 25, 26. He's not even in his prime. We don't need to be getting him a backup of someone who is also trying to enter their prime and, and get back up to that position. Because I know that there are teams like Liverpool and, and City that are, that fill up the, the team uh, with players that are good enough to start the time. But we're not quite at that position to start doing that yet. Um, we just need to, to get the best 11 we can, stick with them, and then... Um, work on other positions where we do prioritize, like striker, like DM, like uh, centre-back. Centre-back would be fine, too. You know, I would say, though, you, you name job City and Liverpool. When you think about it, I don't think they have as much fullback depth as you may think that's quality. No, not in fullback, you're right. Because at City, you've got Concello, you've got Walker, and you've got Zinchenko, who's their main depth. And you have Ake, who can play left-back. And, John, and they sometimes play John Stones, right? Yeah, and that that's we I think everyone can say as good as John Stones can be on his day, 
that's a bit of a handicap. Yeah. Uh, and then Liverpool, you think, can you name me yeah. who's Trent's backup? It's, it's James Milner, isn't it? Because it was potentially even Nico Williams, but he's gone to Nottingham Forest. So it's, it's, it, is, it is James Milner. And then behind Robertson is Simikas. Simikas, who's done all right, but he was like 8 million quid from a Greek team. Yeah, and, and so he, and think of a back like a backup of Simikas and Milner in Liverpool's side. Yeah. Like, and then, and maybe they really have not invested too much in depth behind them because Trent and Robertson have stayed so fit for so long. Oh, so durable, aren't they? They're but so uh, you saw durable. Robertson got uh, some injuries last season. I think Trent did, maybe not last season, but the season beforehand, yeah. he was out for a bit. But yeah, Robertson it's like a bit last season. But the fact that they've been so durable have been the only reason that you don't see big depth behind them. And then Walker, I don't know if Walker's ever really gotten hurt that bad. Like he seems like he's always fit, isn't oh, he? Yeah. I mean, City just they never get injuries, honestly. It's it's insane. Other than like Aguero. If you think of because we obviously we've just signed Sterling. Sterling was never injured. No, they're you know, um, De Bruyne, yeah. I would say De Bruyne had some injury problems. Um, yeah, and then in Bernardo Silva, and Bernardo Silva never gets injured. And then, you know, uh, Riyad Mahrez, I don't think he really has injury problems. Foden, since he's personally seen, I've never really seen him injured. Uh, I know Diaz, ha- Diaz had an injury season. last season, but other than that, yeah, I don't, and I don't think in, he's... in comes Laporte. You know, like... I would say, like, City's definitely, like, Laporte. championed the depth charts, um, and that's probably yeah. reflected in why they've been able to win so many titles. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're right. You were right that uh, Rhys James is probably a pr- approaching injury-prone status if we don't see him put a certain number of games for the Premier League or all competitions in general this season. And that Chilwell hasn't been that injury-prone. I think he – didn't he get a, a, a nagging injury at the end of his spell with Leicester? I thought he had an injury or something that he was carrying a little bit before that. Sure. I don't I remember know if- – Towards the end of his lesser career, him hitting a beautiful goal against Watford. Yeah, so I, I remember, remember him that. playing towards the end. Uh, and that was obviously, that would have been during Project Restart, I believe, if I remember correctly. So I'm not too sure. I, I don't know his injury history at Leicester too much. But yeah, so I think that's, you bring a good point. And that's something I definitely want to, see before the end of the window is see an answer it doesn't have to be a new signing but an answer to reese yeah. james depth as if whether that's seeing dujon sterling come in and get more minutes see somebody deployed on that side because well, we do have kennedy <laughs> but you can't say you can't say that without laughing and i think that's he, an, he did okay that, he, did okay. he did okay um but at the same time until we see a very consistent outing from Kennedy you can't really say that without laughing a little bit yeah. but who knows i mean it it could it could be a thing and i think only time will tell um i was just pulling up uh, ben's injury history with lester he he's had a good couple of injuries every season but he's never missed since 16 17 he's never missed double digit games and the most he's missed before and there was only four games but for us okay. in last season he missed 36 games oh. he, uh, sorry he missed 43 36 Whoa. was his ruptured cruci- cruciate ligament jeez that's a, that's a name and then six seven games just for fitness that's a lot so that's almost the whole that felt like most of the season 
because yeah. he had he got injured in October, didn't he? Against Juventus. It was yeah, it was it was the four no because it was just before I moved out to okay, uh, so November to New York. Yeah, and that was the last game I went to see. I saw him get subbed off, and I thought, oh, he'll be fine. And then I got on the train, and I saw on Twitter, and I was like, oh no, but that that changed everything. It really did. He'd just gone on a Premier League run of uh, three goals in three games as well. And yeah, he was one of the most Norwich informed defenders. Yeah, yeah. FPO people were shot down. Yeah, they really were. And then you look at Reese. Um, last season, he missed a total of 19 games, which felt yeah. longer. It felt longer than 19. But well, uh, he was actually back by just after the new year because he played against Brighton and whatnot. Then he just got injured again, and this is the problem. You know, he's deemed to be fit, and then he'll get uh, another injury straight away. And it's 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 so frustrating because I genuinely believe that he's top three in terms of ability in the squad. I think he's so so good. Well, you can't he's name many people better than him in the size. world in his position. Oh, in his position, I no, I I, I think he's the best right back in the world. Uh, I feel like I'm safe to say that on here. Yeah, I think he is. I don't think there's any right back in the world that has. Um, what he has. I, I mean, just, realistically, I Trent is the only person you could name in that same conversation at this point. I can't think of anybody else you could name with them. But, yeah, people might say uh, Hakimi, but I don't think that guy would be able to play right back in a Premier League title winning team. Uh, I, th- I really do think Carvajal is a, is a clever little defender, but. Oh, he, he was great. Have, I mean, his prime, in the but. He's... Final, I thought he was fantastic, but he is inconsistent these days. And, um, I think a few years ago, yeah, Carvajal was great, but not quite at that level. Yeah. Now, something you did mention about Reese's injury is that I kind of want to touch on this timetable, and it's kind of uh, goes back to the point where you said if we don't manage his health, he could get injured again. So listen to this timetable. From December 29th to February 12th, he missed 11 games. And then from – Okay, so this was fitness. So I'll say December 29th to February 24th, he missed 14 games. He came back, and then he got a muscle injury in March 6th. And from March 6th to the 19th, he was out, and he missed four games just due to fixture congestion. And then he came back, and he got a hamstring injury after that, and he went um, and he missed one game from 22nd to 26th. And what, that, what I hear when I say that is that he was almost forced back in or something's just – and it's weird because – it goes hamstring injury, muscle injury, then hamstring injury again. So he's not fully fit, but there's also Aspetli Quetta was the only one there. And Aspetli Quetta, like Silva, is playing a lot more games in a more demanding position than he should be at his age. So that's – and the fact that those injuries just keep happening back and forth, if we don't have the depth to fully say Reese – you can sit out, man. You can stay back and really get fit again and then come back. It's going to be this kind of rodeo where he, uh, he goes out. He, as soon as he is able to come back and he starts playing again, gets hurt again. And then it's just a back and forth type of thing. So I do think the, the answer we need most from the rest of this preseason is what, what do we do about Reese's injury history and who can we trust to be able to go behind him? Because – we said we were about 250 million, maybe max, um, in terms of who we could buy this summer. Koulibaly would say it was 40 million. Let's say Sterling was about 50 million. 
that's only 90 million so far. We, I'm still open to buying somebody like um, Klaus behind him. That's only up to 100 million. When you think yeah, about he's it, he's only we, around 10 million. I mean, and we lose Alonso, we lose Aspeliqueta, um for a little bit of money, maybe like 15 mil. We still have a good bit of money to spend this summer. I don't think maybe we've t- thought about it too much yet, which we could see Kimpembe or Kunde come in, which could take us to maybe 150 or so. We, we, I would say Honestly, if a bit it, less, a bit less than that. We're, we're looking at point, you know, 130, 140. We have a lot, a lot to spend. And, and you know, I want to this right wing back, you know, it, we've asked people really leaving. It's just going to become Christian Pulisic or Callum Hudson Odoi's chore. And it shouldn't be that. They, they both see it often as a chore. You can see it in them, especially Pulisic. He doesn't like playing that role. Ruben off to Sheik, I don't know how he feels about it, but he's probably not keen. You know, I, I said that I'd like to see Gallagher do it from time to time, but it probably won't happen. I think Tuchel said about Ampadu. So rather than us having like these five or six names, it's like, hey, Reese is probably going to get injured. One of you are going to have to do it. You know, it's like, we'll take it in turns. You'll have to do this chore of playing right wing there. No, let's get in someone like Klaus, who's around 29, 30. He's probably the only chance we'll get to make a big move. Uh, to help him get in the World Cup score for France as well, you know. And because of Reese James's injury history, he'll probably, you know, start in all competitions around 20 games, around 10 off the bench. You know, that's a, that's a nice, healthy move for him. He'll get a little wage packet. I think you've got to get it over the line. He also said he's a Chelsea fan. So let's, let's keep this right wing back role away from being other players' chores and get a proper backup. No, no, I totally agree on that. Also, I was on the big Tino Livermento train and I really wanted to last just a little bit longer so we could get him back next season. But I think he's now set himself back about two years with this major injury that he just took. Now the buyback um, activates next season, but he's going to spend half this season, I think, just getting healthy. And not to mention when he comes back second half of the season, half of that he'll probably spend getting back to fitness and then maybe playing for Southampton. So I don't think the buyback is worth it if he's barely played for them that much. I would say, and the, the, I think the biggest question I have for that is, what is the gap between his buyback and his value that Southampton would set um, for him if somebody wanted him? Because I still think Tino, I wanted Tino to be Reese's backup. Now, granted, I don't know how enthusiastic he would be about that, but if Reese is going to be injury prone, you could see Tino getting a lot of game time potentially, um, but the nice thing about Klaus is he is about 30 or so, and someone's going to say, oh, a 30-year-old fullback, he's not going to be ready for the league. That man's in good fitness. I don't know if you've seen him. He's fast. He is in good shape. So, I mean, you have Perisic, who's about to be a wingback potentially for Conte. Yeah, what is he, um, 33? Yeah, he's like 33, but he's in great shape. I was wanting Perisic for us uh, beforehand for uh, depth to Ben, but um, I think that's the th- last thing. The, that's what I need to see the most. Um, our midfield, I don't think a lone DM is going to come in. So I think the pivot's going to be there. So I think between Billy, Jorginho, and Ampadu, you have enough people who could have that sitting, holding um, side of the pivot to work out. And then between Kovacic, Gallagher, Conte, even Ruben, you have enough people to fill out the more progressive side of the pivot. So I think our midfield's fine. Our attackers, we have plenty of wingers, plenty of forwards. I think striker obviously is another question to see what happens. And I think our central defenders, 
we're going to be golden. We're going to be sorted on by the end of this window. So I think that's the biggest question I have. How are we prepared to deal with a missing Reese James in this season? But uh, Charlie, thank you again for coming on. Um, sadly, didn't get to say goodbye to Johan before he had to dip out. Charlie, do you have any last closing thoughts on um, anything you want to see uh, on Charlotte on Wednesday or Arsenal and um, Orlando on Saturday? Um, I'll say for something I want to see in each. Uh, in Charlotte, I want to see Sterling uh, come off the bench and make his debut. I think he'll potentially be ready for that one. Um, I hope so, at least. And then in Orlando, I'd, I'd really like to see uh, Armando Boyer uh, be able to come and play in that game. Hopefully he'll be fit because I think he really needs his chance. This injury uh, honestly could be a blessing in disguise. Maybe it will uh, shy off other uh, teams from wanting him because I really want to see him have a big season. Uh, he's the only true, true number nine we have in our team. Um, some people say that he had a really good loan. Some people say maybe it wasn't that good. He only scored six goals. But my opinion of it is he played in the most inconsistent team in the in the league, which is Southampton. They are so up and down. So that's only going to make a, a young striker inconsistent in that team. Uh, but I think that if we give him some game time, I think he could be a really big player for us. I really think that his game style suits um, Chelsea a lot. I actually think he has a blend of a bit of Havertz and Lukaku in, uh, in his game. So I'd really like to see that. Uh, yeah, Armando Breuer to play at some point in this preseason. I really hope, really hope to see it. Both great points. I definitely want the Breuer one really bad. I want to see Billy as well. I really want to see Billy because I just, I'm going to Orlando. If I don't see Billy there, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. I might do it, man. But um, I think Breuer too is maybe the next closest to Holland we've seen in terms of physicality and stature. He's got that build, that tough demeanor where he's not going to be easy to shake off the ball, I don't think. And if you see he him dribble, he's a good dribbler. And he's a great finisher. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he could, I mean, Albania, who would have thought to look there, but if we could have a gem on our hands and also we're going to have five substitutes in the Premier League mm -hmm. in all competitions, all competitions, we should have five substitutes and i think it's safe to say we were prop and barring any injuries you're probably going to see the pivot and the front three cycled out every game unless yeah, it's half the, of the half of the outfield team so there'll be so much game time yeah so unless any defenders or any wingbacks are struggling that's probably it's going to be a very simple three and two out and in and then that means you're going to have a lot of game time for pulsic timo broya gallagher even conte I mean, think about it. You bring in a, you bring in Gallagher or Conte off um, the mid or into the midfield off the bench. That's your super subs up there. You bring in Pulisic, Timo, or, and Broya up top. That's an energetic front three that could still cause damage. And that might be the, this five substitute thing is probably gonna be the best thing to happen to us in a long time because we have a lot of good um, depth off the bench. We just can't bring it all off the bench. But now we're gonna be able to. So I don't think the argument that we can't feel these minutes for these players register as much anymore. So yeah, yeah the five substitutes. Um, I'm really thinking if Roya can stay healthy and you're right, maybe this injury is a blessing in disguise. Maybe nobody will take a chance on him this summer because of that. Um, or maybe they'll settle for a loan, but I don't want to see a loan because the one thing that worries me, Tuchel said he needed to see him in preseason before making a decision. If he doesn't get that preseason though, it might, it might be an easy decision him 
if I say I'll take I'll take money for an injury guy. But um, yeah, let's hope we don't we'll see, see that. But see. but Charlie, thank you again for joining me on this. It's been a great time talking to you. I'm happy to be recording pods again. Um, it should be one of these after each game. Um, Thursday, I will try and make one for the Charlotte game. Um, it might be Monday or Tuesday before um, one comes out for the Arsenal game, though, mainly because I will be traveling back on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to see a lot of people in um, in Orlando. Uh, and yeah, I'm just hoping we have a lot of people come back. We, we see some good minutes played. I would love to see a little more goals go in though. Um, we got a little worried against club America that, uh, we didn't bag a few more, but, uh, Charlotte, I hope we knock it against them. And then Arsenal, Arsenal have been getting battered and just tossed around in preseason. So if we don't do it, if we don't take it to them. I'm going to, I can't go to Orlando and see us lose a preseason game against Arsenal. I can't do it, Charlie. We might do though because they played more games. No, no, so no! Don't do me. Don't say they that. They played no. more games, but that's the excuse lie down already. No excuses. <laughs> we just speak it into existence. We got to make it happen. All right. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And you know what? Until next time, stay true, stay blue. <laughs>